Hello, friends, and welcome back to one of my favorites podcast. My name is Kelly Scheel, and I am thrilled to be introducing you to some of my favorite people and how they have shaped and influenced my life. If you've been listening to the past few episodes, you'll know that I'm on a spring break road trip and I'm currently in San Angelo, Texas, where Bill and I lived from 2000 to 2004. Bill served as the senior pastor of Southland Baptist Church. Today, I had the opportunity to worship at Southland. It had been 18 and a half years since we left. I pulled into the parking lot and it felt very familiar. That is, until I arrived at the door and didn't see my friend Billy opening the door to welcome me. But I quickly began seeing people I knew. As the choir entered the worship space and the string orchestra began playing, the tears started streaming down my face. And I basically didn't stop until the sermon. I leaned over to my mom on one side and asked if she had any tissue. And I leaned over to my friend Sharon on the other side and said, Well, I guess I'm going to cry for the next hour. I wasn't crying out of sadness, and I wasn't crying because of the music. I was crying out of gratitude to God for our years at Southland. As I sat in the sanctuary, I remembered the morning when Parker was dedicated and the quilt that the ladies of the church made for him and was lovingly wrapped around him. I remembered the music that we sang in the choir. I remembered Bill preaching. But I mostly remembered faces of people who had loved a young preacher and his family so well. Some of these faces were in the room, and I was filled to my inmost core to see them. But some faces were no longer in the space. Some had moved to new places like we did, and some are now in heaven with Jesus. As I skipped Sunday school and walked around the church, I looked into classrooms that were filled with adults and kids studying the Word of God. I saw a group of women sorting food for their blessing box. I saw a fabulous missions display highlighting all the ministries that the church supports and is engaged with. I saw the new children's renovation, and I thought, wow, life has moved on. But isn't it amazing what God has done and that we got to share a slice of history in this place? Today's guest is where our story with Southland and San Angelo all began. Tommy Hebert was the chairman of the search committee that brought us to Southland, and he has remained a close personal friend. He is for sure one of my favorites, and I am so glad to welcome him to the podcast today. It's so fun. Just uh, We had lunch yesterday with you and Carol, and it just felt like old times. Yeah, it, it did. It- it was very comfortable. Just, it, it, it's, it was picking up really where we left off whenever, from whenever the last time we saw each other. Yes. Yeah, I know, I know. It's, and that's been a few years. I think it was in Florida, maybe. At, yeah. you know, I'll talk a little bit more okay. about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so I, the format of this podcast is I've written a little something about our friendship and want to share that with you, and then we'll have a chance to chat. Okay, sounds good. Okay. It was a Sunday morning in the summer of the year 2000. Bill was preaching a series on Exodus and the Ten Commandments. I believe the message that morning was on the commandment, you shall not commit adultery. (laughs) I was singing in the choir. We both noticed a few new faces in the crowd that morning, which was so exciting for our small congregation in McGregor. 
As Bill was greeting folks after the service, a man came up to him and said, Hi, Bill, I'm Tommy Hebert from Southland Baptist Church. Oh boy, it was a search committee who happened to come to visit on the week Bill preached on adultery. That's the end of that, <laughs> but it wasn't. Over the next few months, Bill began talking to Tommy quite a bit. He interviewed with the committee, and we began to be open to God's calling us to a new place. While we absolutely loved the people of First Baptist McGregor, doors began to open, and we became more certain of this calling. So in September, we went in view of a call, and Bill was voted to be Southland's senior pastor. He was 27 years old. I was 26, and we had just found out we were expecting. When we moved to San Angelo, Tommy and his wife, Carol, became close friends. They helped to make us make sure we were welcomed uh, by connecting us with folks in the church and the community to help in the transition. Tommy and the others from the committee worked with Bill to provide information about the church and its members and feedback on how things were going. Tommy and Carol invited us into their home to share meals, sometimes with just the four of us and sometimes with their grown children who were visiting from out of town or with their dear mothers, Woody and Mary Jo. Tommy sold insurance, so we had an immediate connection as I worked in the insurance industry. We often talked about the challenge of obtaining medical records or scheduling paramedical exams. Exciting stuff. I appreciated that he understood my work. I also appreciated that every year on my birthday, I received a piece of mail from Tommy. It was a list of people, places, and things that happened in 1973, the year I was born. I don't remember there ever being a note, maybe there was a signature, but it always made me smile because I knew I was being remembered. Since we moved to San Angelo, we've seen Tommy and Carol a few times. We've seen them at some conventions, and Bill had a chance to be a part of Carol's mother, Mary Jo's burial at Barrancas National mm -hmm. Cemetery um, in Pensacola. In and was it 2013? 2013. 2013. And he also married Tracy and Andy oh, I had forgotten in that. Austin, outside in a venue outside of Austin. Yes. Oh, I had forgotten yeah, that. Yeah, in 2005. Oh, I had totally forgotten that. Um, so we've also kept touch by Facebook, text, and calls over the years. Tommy is one of my favorites for many reasons, but the main reason is his friendship with Bill. Being a pastor can be lonely, but Tommy has been a steady and consistent friend. He's the type of person who Bill could call for advice, for help with Parker when he was a baby, for lunch, or for a good laugh. He is honest, he is kind, and he is funny, but he is mostly someone who makes the call, sends the texts, and just shows up, and I am just so grateful for him. Yeah. Let's go back to 2000, uh, when you met us. What in the world were you guys thinking to hire a young kid to come as your pastor? Um, is there anything that you remember from those early years or even just meeting Bill, um, meeting us that you thought would be interesting to people to share? Well, I, we, the committee, you, you snickered. The committee also had the same thought. What in the world are <laughs> we thinking? Because our first two pastors, our, our founding pastor, was in his early 40s, mid-30s, early 40s, when they founded the church. And then the second pastor was already in his 40s, and we were dropping 15 to 17 years off of that and thinking, 
the church is growing and but we're looking at this 27 year old and his 26 year old wife oh my god anyway it was one of those um it was more than one conversation we had about are we setting ourselves up for something are we setting kelly and bill up for something unintentionally just because of their youth so mm -hmm. it was uh yes it was a topic of conversation <laughs> but bill also was the kid who carried a briefcase like in high school so he was we learned that through the search process when we started talking to people i would assume most search committees do this but you always ask for references. Sure. So you know that the references that someone gives are going to be saying good things about the individual. We started with Bill's search committee. I don't know if other search committees did it or not because I had never served on a pastor search committee before. But we started with, when, we were, when I was on Bill's committee, with asking his first line reference. Who do you know that also knows Bill? But right. then we would ask that second line reference, who do you know that might know Bill? And we went as far back as four people Wow. with, with, with Bill. Not because of anything that we found troubling, but just we wanted to know who Bill was from people that either had a deep relationship or a more casual relationship. <laughs> to your point, yes, one of the early things that we learned about Bill was he was the person in high school who carried a briefcase. And we it was one of those things that kind of made you scratch your head. Is this a good thing? Is it not a good thing? Is it strange? Is it not strange? But the more we learned about Bill, the more we learned... And I will say, Kelly, out loud, I know two true intellectuals. I believe two true intellectuals. One is a person my age who, have, who, have, who I have known 40 years, but the other is Bill Shield. Mm. I don't know anyone with the intellect. Even now, this other person that I believe to be an intellectual, I don't believe rises to Bill's level. Mm, that's so kind. So, um, when we learned about the briefcase, that started speaking to us in the nerdy way. Well, this person may be studious. Well, not only is Bill studious, so we learned, he's very personable. Mm -hmm. He has photographic memory. We learned that pretty darn quick. <laughs> the more we listen to him preach, and he doesn't use a Bible, not because he doesn't use a Bible, but because he has the whole Bible in his head from which he can recite without reading. So, well, now, Tommy, uh, as the wife of said intellectual, I'll tell you, he works at it. He does. He does. And he practices it over and over again. But he does have an excellent memory. And I remember that's the, the, the Bible memory piece people have asked him, why do you memorize scripture? And he said, well, if I spend the time memorizing my own words, I should at least spend time memorizing God's oh, word. Yeah, yeah. And so that's why in his sermons, he recites the passage, but then also his own sermon. So I thought, I've always liked that, about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 candidly, Kelly, I've never, I, I'm sure there are others, but I've never 
personally um, encountered another preacher who recites the scripture from memory mm -hmm. before they delve into their sermon. Yeah, yeah, it's unique. It is unique. It is unique. Well, those were uh, super fun years, and I had never lived. I'm kind of a city girl. Grew up in you know northern Kentucky, and uh, San Angelo was different. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, it was much more laid back. I found the pace to be, um, in fact, just being here this weekend, it's just so refreshing. Not that people are busy, but it's just a different kind of rhythm and pace of life that I really grew to love and appreciate. You've spent most of your life in San Angelo. I, I, all but the first four years of my life and the years I was away at college. But yes, I am, I am a product of San Angelo, Texas. And what do you love most about it? Or why did you choose to plant your life here? Well, the good question. Um, parents were here. Two sets of parents were here. So... I'm not sure this was forward thinking or even planning. It may have just been uh, maybe happenstance. But we thought, you know, at some point, our parents may need more care than what they do when we were thinking about moving here. So let's go where they are because likely they're not going to come where we are. And my career was such that I didn't have to be worried about being transferred somewhere else. And having grown up here, it was a rather natural move to come here to go into the insurance business, knowing some people rather than going someplace and not knowing anybody at sure. all. So that's how, and, and you ask what I like about it. Um, the pace of life, no doubt. But over the years, many communities can say this, so this is not absolutely unique to San Angelo. But San Angelo, if, if you need something, people will just open up their arms and their lives to help. Yeah. Um, yeah. Many communities are that way, but that, that is one of San Angelo's greatest attributes is, is their, their giving um, attitude. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just this morning you were telling me that, you know, Carol was taking a friend to a, an appointment and I heard Dolores talk about, our friend, mutual friend Dolores talk about, you know, taking a friend to an appointment. And it's just, it does seem like a place where people, friends become family and yeah, if you need something, there's a place. There is. There's it, someone to help. Somebody will help, yes. Yeah, that's, and, and you know, place that we both, I think, have found that is at Southland, mm. um, a church that you, how long have you been at Southland? I've been there since, since the very beginning. Day one. 1978. Yes. I, have, I was a member. charter member. Yes. Charter member. Yes. Um, you've seen a lot of changes. Let's see. You're now, they're now in the fifth pastor. Is that right? Right. Taylor. That is correct. Fifth pastor mm -hmm. over the, over the 44 years. Yeah. Approaching 45. Yeah. Yeah, we were here for the 25th anniversary. Yeah. yeah. Um, in fact, I pulled out the, the little direct, well, I call it the yearbook on Southland because it felt like kind of a celebrating all of the years. But that's, yeah, it's hard to believe. You're yeah. fast approaching another yeah. uh, milestone. Um, what have you loved about Southland and how have you seen that evolve over the years? The, 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 the evolution has been, I, I'm going to, now that you asked that question, not having thought about that in a <laughs> while, but the evolution of Southland is rather dramatic. 
When Southland started, it was a very young church. Mm -hmm. I was 25 years old when we started wow. Southland. So that anybody can do the math, and we're almost 45 years at Southland. I'm 70 years old now. Mm -hmm. So the evolution has been, when we started the church, all of us were in our mid-20s, late-20s. Yes, we had some older folk. That There's no doubt. But the ones that were the, the beginnings of the core of Southland were the 25 to 35-year-old age group. Mm -hmm. And we did every single thing that had to be done. We would set up the nursery on Sunday mornings. Before we had a church building, we met, first of all, in a motel bar, <laughs> upstairs in the bar. And we had we rented rooms for the nursery. So we would take our babies. My kids at that time were just barely two years old. So we would take them to the two-year-old room. We had, an, had the infants, so forth and so on. But we, we picked up, we cleaned up. If there was something to be... The bar was awful. <laughs> After Saturday night, you can only imagine. Yeah, really awful. It was really awful. Um, we met downstairs in their worship. We had worship in their community room. Um, we 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 had we had to get up. We had to get to church in time to set the chairs up. Um, then when we did get a building, we would take care of the grounds and maintenance. We'd take care of the plumbing. We would take care of the cleaning. Then when things started getting a little better, yes, we were able to hire some of these things done, hire the people to help do that. So the evolution has been, now that I'm talking through this, has been rather dramatic. And now it's, it's, a, it's a church. It is mm -hmm. a family. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the things, some of my deepest relationships and friendships have been because of and through Southland and some of those people have moved on, as you mentioned earlier, to other geographic locations. But some of those folks are still extremely close friends. You and Bill, no doubt, mm -hmm. being one of those close friendships. Um, but the, the, the richness of that and the contribution to my life from those people again, just thinking about it now is one of the most uh, valuable things mm -hmm. to me. Mm -hmm. uh, and you know, it's funny, the, that full setup and tear down, uh, Bill and I, when we moved to Chicago, were a part of, our church was starting a second campus and we did the same thing, even though the difference was we had resources from the, the mothership, if mm -hmm. you will, mm -hmm. but the main campus that supported us. But we still, we had a full setup, full tear down. We set up walls. We were in a conference center. And so we set up walls and made a whole children's area. But something happened in that that was magical isn't the right word, but it built community mm -hmm. in a way that nothing else does in mm -hmm. a church. And I imagine that through the years, some of your fondest memories were back at the bar, uh, not not drinking, but setting up for church um, because, um, you know, something happens there. Friendships are, are different when you're working alongside of someone instead of just Absolutely. going and sitting in the pews. Well, and the, our, our next location, we were able to move on from the motel setting and the bar setting 
to a vacated cafeteria, um, community cafeteria. Mm -hmm. um, and you, you, you sparked a memory there in that the setting up and breaking down and so forth, uh, putting up partitions for so Sunday school classes. Um, but yes, the community that you build when you work alongside someone toward a common goal, even if that common goal is we've got to get the partitions up so we'll have separation between our Sunday school classes. Right, um, right. Yes. which is kind of silly because you can still hear everything yes. in the next, yes. next partition over. You know, some people might ask, why would you do that? You know, like why, there's, goodness, we're in Texas, there's a church almost on every corner. What was the reason behind that? Like why, when you were 25 years old, why did you say, I want to latch on to this? That, you know, th this could be another whole podcast. But, <laughs> but one huge reason for us was there was, as there has been throughout history, literally history, but there was turmoil in Baptist life mm -hmm. that was beginning to surface with certain people wanting to control certain things from the denominational level. And we thought we want a different kind of church. And I, I, what I, I, I need to add quickly, the churches from which we came as friends and families weren't necessarily a part of that. Right. But there is also something attractive about something new. Yep, yep. Especially when you're 25. Especially right? when you're 25 and you are building relationships. You're, you're, you're building, your, your, your families are growing. You see those people. Another thing about San Angelo, I digress, but another thing about <laughs> San Angelo when you go to the grocery store, when you go to the athletic events, when you go to the community events, the symphonies, the, uh, the, the uh, community theater productions, uh, to the grocery store, you see people that you know. Every time. Every single time. Every time. And they don't always have connections with you through your church, but very often some of those relationships blossomed because of these people that you know through your church. Mm -hmm. So there's another thing about that, now that I'm talking out loud, that makes me love San Angelo is the people that I've met, not because they've gone to Southland, never have, and still don't, but because I have met them through other connections through right. Southland. You mentioned... Um well, I mentioned earlier, I think, um, your mom and your mother-in-law, Mary Jo. I did not know your father, Tink, but he is a legend, um, <laughs> right? Everyone, I, I, I wish I had known him because I think, and I think you, uh, you're probably a lot like him from what I've so heard. I've been, so, have, so I have been told. So he must have been pretty great. But you had such a fun uh, relationship with your mom, Woody, um, and then also with Mary Jo, who was just a card and a half. Um, but they've both died in the past um, 10 years, yes, I guess. Yes. Mary Jo's um, been gone since... 11 and mother's been gone four. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And what is something that you would want people to know about them? Oh, gosh. Probably my mother. I am not sure I have 
ever known a human being with a sweeter, more kind heart than my mother. Mm. She thought ill of no human being. Mm. Um, she was just the most gentle soul around. Yeah, I, um, would, I would agree with that. Oh, my. And Mary Jo. Mary Jo was the life of the party. Um, always. Always. It, you know, just, you know, Mary Jo toasted herself. If no one else wanted to have a drink, Mary Jo would toast herself. It's our favorite story to tell. <laughs> we used to, um, we would go to lunch together. And I remember one, it must have been Easter or some Mother's Day, some occasion. And you invited us to join you for at Bentwood. Um, and... She said, let's have a toast. And she pulled up her glass of whatever it was. And she realized everyone else had water at the table or tea. And she goes, oh, no one else has a drink? Well, here's to me. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that, is, that is Mary Jo. So, you know, just her, um, her Mary Jo could make the best in uncomfortable and um, unseemly type circumstances. And it wasn't in in an insincere or fake way, but it was in a way that she found just that nugget of good or fun in that situation that could then not break up the room, but sure help the cloud lift mm. from the room. Mm. So I, you know, yes. And Mary Jo, she is, she, the, the, we say this flippantly about a lot of people, but Mary Jo was one of those people who would give the clothing off her body to another human being mm. without question. Yeah, yeah. So. Well, how lucky you are how to have a mother that kind and Mary Jo who's so generous and fun. And yes. uh, and Woody was pretty fun too. I, Woody I, I, was we, fun. Yeah, we, we loved her too Woody so much. Woody was fun, yes. So... Um, so grateful that I got to be a part of both of their worlds. So thanks for sharing that. Um, I think I wanted to kind of wrap up and think about friendship. I mentioned earlier how grateful I am for your friendship with Bill. And as a, a young wife um, at the time, I, I think women sometimes connect a little bit quicker with, with other women. Um, men sometimes have a hard time doing that. So when you find someone who's steady and checking in with you and consistent, um, from my perspective, that was so important to have for Bill to have. And so thank you for being that to Bill. You seem to connect with a lot of people. Um, what do you think the key is for men, especially, to connect in a deeper way with one another and really kind of develop a deeper friendship? I've, I really have learned over my life now that making yourself vulnerable to let other people see that you you have hopes, you have dreams, but you also have hurts and you have some deep hurts. You have to be willing to make those things known in a way that doesn't come across as self-serving or um, playing the victim of any situation, but that simply that life has happened to you as well. Mm -hmm. And there have been some situations through which you have walked that 
while it may not be exactly what the other person has walked through, you still have an understanding of how tough it is with what they are going through. Um, so making oneself vulnerable and being willing to share that in an honest way, yeah. I think, helps men. And there's a lot of men who cannot do that yeah. or will not do that. Yeah. But um, Bill and I always had that connection of vulnerability really from the, from the beginning. And so I think it was, it was quite um, natural for us because Bill was willing to be vulnerable right. as well. Yeah. So. yeah, that's so good. Yeah, that's so good. And, you know, the other thing I think you do so well, and, and maybe you've earned the right to do this, is you sometimes ask the hard questions. Mm -hmm. um, you ask people, really, you go deep to tell me about this. Um, and, and maybe that's after years of having a relationship with you. But I know you called me a few years ago and we talk about Bill's mom, who was going through some health issues and to, to ask some hard questions. And that's it was important for me to hear. Um, you know, always asking about our kids and asking about the hard times in life. Um, and so I'm really grateful um, for the vulnerability you've had and the, the willingness to just ask the hard questions mm -hmm. and listen. You're not, you, you're so good to not tell me what I should do, but to just listen and, and care. I, I have never, never liked anybody telling me what to do. So I have tried to keep that in mind. Now, I'm sure my kids... My kids may not agree with that totally, <laughs> that they haven't been told what to do. Well, that's different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, but um, I try to be a good listener. Yeah, you are. You are for sure. Well, um, to wrap up our time together, I really feel like we could sit here, like you oh, said, okay. and, and have, we could make a podcast on every topic we've kind of touched on today. But I like to finish our um podcast with a fun round of the favorite game okay do you remember playing that as a kid yes um, that's a favorite game of mine to play on road trips and so i've got about eight or nine topics and i'll just throw them out to you and you tell me your favorite okay here we go okay color yellow any reason for that i for me it is a calming Okay. And it's not it's it's not um, it's not mustard yellow. It would be pastel. Pastel yellow. Yes. Okay. okay. Um, Interesting. I, I wouldn't have picked that. I for had you, a but... shirt when I was in high school that was yellow that I loved. <laughs> okay. Your favorite book? Hmm. I like trashy spy novels. Any author in particular? Uh, yes. Um, Stuart Woods. Okay. He is a prolific writer to this day. I don't know how many he cranks out a year, but they are trashy spy novels. <laughs> I like that the, the, there's some guys in the Tom Clancy mode. Um, Brian Haig, who is the son of former General Alexander Haig, who was, I believe, commander of uh, European forces, uh, maybe commander in Vietnam for sure. Anyway, um, Brian Haig uh, writes those kinds of, Okay. But so, um, I uh, nonfiction would be um, uh, surprised by hope. N. T. Wright uh, was okay. very a very meaningful book for me with uh, him talking about uh, his view on resurrection. Mm. I don't know if I've read that one. It sounds like 
one I'll, I'll link in our, our show notes to people. Okay. That sounds good. Okay, how about favorite song? Oh, gosh. I'm, I, I'm, I'm from the 60s and 70s generation. Um, I love anything by Credence Clearwater Revival. Okay. Um, the Beatles are my, are my era. I have said to many people, nearly every song that they ever made popular, because they have tons of songs that many have not heard, but um, the breadth and depth of their creativity, mm -hmm. lyrically and musically, is just unbelievable. So anything by the Beatles. Okay, if I've got to pick one, if I've got to pick, if I've got to pick one song, it is "Let It Be" by the Beatles. That's a good one. If people know the backstory to that song, it is even more meaningful. Hmm. Do you happen? I don't, but that you want to give me a quick, I'll give you the a Reader's quick. Digest version. I'll give you the Reader's Digest version. Paul McCartney's mother was named Mary. Okay. There is a line in the song, "Mother Mary." said, let it be, let it be. And by that, she was telling Paul as he grew up, there are some things about which you should do nothing or you can do nothing. You just need to let it be. Mm. So yeah. if, if I get in a situation now where I get all worked up, I try to start telling myself if there if, if I shouldn't be involved, if I shouldn't do anything, let it be, let it be. And it for me is a calming thing. Rather than saying, let it go, there is an action required there. Letting go requires me to do something. But if I just let it be, for me, that just lowers the temperature. That's good. That's good. I need to have that on auto repeat in my life. Um, okay. This is a controversial okay. thing. And you know what I'm going to ask. I don't it's, get, a, it's about the cookie. My favorite generic cookie is chocolate chip. Okay. But frozen out of the freezer, solid, that you have trouble biting it. And in, in, in with your teeth because it is so frozen, you're going to say, why? I don't know. Other than when I was growing up, my very best friend lived across the street. His mother always had frozen chocolate chip cookies in the freezer that we could go to the freezer any time, day or night, get a frozen chocolate chip cookie. I guess I got hooked. <laughs> I love it. I think of you. I, I do freeze chocolate chip cookies from time to time, and I think of you whenever I get one. Um, do you have a favorite restaurant here in San Angelo? Um, it would it would depend on um, type of food, but... Well, just pick one. Okay, I'm going to pick one. Fuentes Mexican Food Downtown. Yes, I drove by there yesterday and thought, oh, I need to go to Fuentes. I, I don't know that we went there a lot when we lived here, but it's really good. It is really good. It is really good. Do you have a favorite um, event that's like a tradition here in San Angelo? You know, Kelly, I used to, and it just happened this weekend, um, and I used to be very active in it and have not been over the past oh, 10 years or so, but um, 
it, it's a sporting event. It was. It is named still to this day. I believe they celebrated their 64th anniversary this this very weekend of the San Angelo Relays track and field. Oh, cool! Um, boys and girls, um, and it has been going on for 64 years. When I was a child back in the late 50s and 60s. They also had colleges. The Southwest Conference, for those that remember the Southwest Conference, Baylor, TCU, SMU, Texas Tech, Texas A&M, University of Texas, etc., mm -hmm. Arkansas, they would come to the San Angelo Relays. Huh. One of my dearest friends who lives in San Angelo holds the record for the mile run. Now, they don't do the mile run anymore. Now, it's 1,500 meters. Now, as a runner, what do you know what the record is? The the time? Yes, the I, time. I do not. Well, we're going to have to look that up. You'll have to look, have it up, to look it up. But that is held by someone you also know. Oh, who? Dale McDonald. C. McDonald. Dale McDonald. Huh. Saw him yesterday. So fun to see him. And now I know something. That right. I wasn't a runner when I lived here, but... I would have really latched on to that. Okay, last question. Favorite place you've traveled to? I have to say Estes Park, Colorado. Oh, I love Estes Park. Estes Park, Colorado. Oh, we may have to talk about that offline, and I'll tell you about our, that's the home of our, my favorite family vacation that we ever went uh, on. Like with, with my kids. We have, um, we have extended family who some of their extended family owns a cabin up there. So they are very generous with all the family. And we um, we get the family rate, if oh, you will. Oh, great. Yeah, for when we when we go to Estes. In fact, Carol and I put it on the calendar every year. We've already got it on the calendar for this year when we're going to Estes Amazing. Park. Amazing. I didn't know that. Yeah. Now I do. Now we have that. I love Estes Park. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for mm -hmm. just spending a little bit of time with me this morning um, and just, yeah, just capturing a little yeah. bit of our story. Ke yeah, Kelly, this this is great. I mean, it's it for, for me, it's uh, it's cathartic. It's healing. Yeah, um, me too. It, it, there, the, just because of the connections that, that we have and have had over the years. This, this is good. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yes, thank All you. right. Love you and Carol. Love you too. Friends, isn't it just the best to reconnect with people from your past? I hope that today's conversation with Tommy reminded you of someone that you may not get to see very often, but you can always pick up right where you left off. Or maybe you remembered a friend who was willing to ask the hard questions or who made themselves vulnerable in order to connect with you. Whatever the case, I'd encourage you to reach out to that person and let them know. If you're enjoying the show, it would mean so much to me if you shared it with a friend and helped share these ordinary stories of impact. People can listen in on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite channel to listen to podcasts. You can also follow the show on Instagram at one of my favorites podcast. There you can find pictures and more. Thanks again for listening. Join me next week as I continue reconnecting with my Texas friends. Until then, let's live by the words that the Beatles made famous to just let it be.